believe that social media has kept me or allowed me to be in touch with uh, acquaintances, friends, family that I might not have been able to stay in touch with. At... Sorry, no, you're good. I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's ever happened before. For now. <laughs> the look you gave. <laughs> it just all went blank. It, it all went blank. <laughs> I had no clue where that was going. Family, friends, great, awesome. <laughs> I'm back. I don't think Kate is. I'm sorry. I've never seen that look on you. It won't be the last time. Oh my gosh. It just is like light switch. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was a thousand percent. Sentence oh and my just gosh. I'm sorry. I knew the sentence was going to end, but I didn't know yeah. where it was going. Oh, man. <laughs> Welcome, friends. Thanks for joining us for another episode. I'm Keith. I'm Kate. I'm Renee. And it's okay if you're not okay. At the end of September, it was Suicide Prevention Month. The Zero Reasons Why Teen Council hosted a march and rally in, in, on the plaza in KC Mill. And one of the uh, teens there, Avery, she brought up uh, this, uh, this idea that I thought was really fascinating. She used this phrase, we need to unlearn loneliness. Love it. We need to unlearn loneliness. Okay. And then she went on uh, to talk a little bit more in connection, I think, to phone use and social media and things. And so I thought that might be a really interesting place for us to uh, to talk and spend time today, thinking about unlearning loneliness, especially our stories, our experiences with social media, what sure. have been our struggles, and then what have been the, um, the positive uh, ways that we have utilized social media to not be lonely in our own lives. Yeah, yeah. So before we jump into the great content that we all have let's start with a disclaimer and then i have uh, a special plug to do so that first the views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent those of johnson county government or johnson county mental health center and then second since we're talking about social media and you know how we shouldn't ever use it i want to invite everyone <laughs> to use it <laughs> what's your job again oh yeah <laughs> social media wait and you what? do great at it yeah. <laughs> way to go keith so if you would like to get some uh, exclusive information or know about this podcast in advance, make sure you join our Facebook group. You can find it at facebook.com slash groups slash It's Okay Podcast, or just search for It's Okay If You're Not Okay on Facebook and find the group. Uh, you have to request to get in it because we don't want spam bots in there, and you'll get approved, and we will uh, see you there and get to hear from you. So it's a great way to yeah. connect with other listeners. Okay, so... Who, who wants to jump into this topic? Yeah, I'll go ahead and start. I definitely have personal experience with having more connections with friends, families, acquaintances, classmates that I wouldn't necessarily be connected with and getting to know things about them, about their families, maybe about things that they're going through. At the same time, as I was thinking about this and saying this, I also am kind of bummed that I don't necessarily really think that it's made me have better relationships with them interesting i'm just connected yeah does it does that, that make sense totally total okay sense. yeah okay. so i in contrast to that i joined so facebook came out in uh, 2004 ish uh and i graduated high school just a little bit after that so i joined facebook when it was exclusive to college students only right before i went into my freshman year of college and so my facebook friends list grew to like 1800 1800 plus wow. people i have since then 
uh, had several layers where I've cut it down. I decided that I only wanted to be friends with people that I actually care about knowing in real life. Like I actually contact them and like care if they know about my kids and I know theirs. So I cut that down to like from 1800 to like 800 and then to 400 and then to 200. And now I'm probably in like that around the 300 range, which felt really weird. Cause I basically just cut lots of contacts <laughs> off in my life. Contacts. Yeah. But see, you use yeah. the word contact where I would say connection and I, I, my family comes to mind. So my extended family, well, okay, even my immediate family comes to mind. <laughs> that when I see something, oh, oh, cool, they, they did this. Oh, they had a basketball game. They had a football game. Oh, they were out at the pumpkin patch today. That's cool. But I, I have to admit that it, it, I don't then call them or seek out that information from them directly because they've shared it and I've liked it. I mean, that's a that's a personal relationship, right? Sharing something and liking uh, yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, hello, I liked it. I mean, that that acknowledges that we've had a conversation. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Or the other side uh-huh. was someone like like you you hear like through the grapevine some big news and then someone replies, "Yeah, didn't you see that on Facebook?" Yeah. And you're like, you didn't realize that this happened. It's like old news. They posted on Facebook like two weeks ago. I say that to my mother a lot. <laughs> Did she see? I posted that on I'm Facebook. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I hear that from my mother a lot. I saw on Facebook. I know, Mom, you saw on Facebook. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. So the context, though. So how does that play into unlearning loneliness? Or how does that play into our relationships? Well, because when I think about relationships, I think about the people that... Um, are the healthy supports for you yeah. the ones that you would kind of trust being in your corner when things were getting hard, when things were good and you're wanting to celebrate the people that are kind of those true friends, family. And I think about the people that you can talk to face to face, not always comfortably. I think sometimes there's a misconception that by having a conversation with someone, if it's good it has to always be comfortable it has to go with the flow and sometimes face-to-face can be uncomfortable and that's okay but I think about that more so than connections would be someone that I just don't ever engage with outside of it and I would never pick up a phone and say hey how's your day going or send a text or yeah yeah I so I have layers in my social media accounts that helps me shape this in so um, both Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I post a lot more about my personal life and my kids there. And so I only accept friend requests or follow requests. I have my privacy settings set really restrictive and I only accept requests. Which from... is really smart. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so it's personal, you know, everyone's personal choice. I found this to be beneficial for me. Those are only people that I really want to know things about my kids. Uh, and so that's not my professional mm-hmm. contacts. That's not, um, uh, it's, oh, it's, it's really select now. few people. Yeah. Then I, I have one more layer out, which is LinkedIn, where I only will accept a connection request on LinkedIn if I actually know you and had a, have had an in-person conversation. So, and that sometimes is we were at a networking event and I met you once. Yeah, I, I can accept a, a connection request on LinkedIn. Um, and then Twitter is open and out and anybody can follow me on Twitter. Uh, and I may or may not follow you back. Just depends on if I like what you tweet about Mm -hmm. and so I kind of have those three different tiers and then Renee you and I have talked about even clients of the mental health center what are the some things to consider there about connecting with clients so I I've made a 
uh, the personal decision not to connect with clients I work with. So I, I don't see clients, but because I'm the communications person, I get to tell client stories sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so I've decided not to connect with clients on LinkedIn or on Facebook because uh, just for their privacy, mostly people can draw that connection and maybe there's somewhere down the road they don't want um, their mental health journey to be known. So I don't make that connection, but anybody can follow me on Twitter. I am, I am, I'm sitting back and, and just, oh man, I'm um, dumbfounded, truthfully, that I've just come to the recognition or the realization that I have, in my 40s, I've lived a life where the first half I really didn't have the influence of social media. And the second half, I've really had an overwhelming life lived in social media. And then struck with the thought of, gosh, I know that there are folks that I intersect with, especially um, young adults, especially folks in school age, school age kiddos, school age youth, that that's been their life. And so I have to just kind of recognize my own perspective is that I really have had, I don't know if it's a blessing, a curse of, of living life experience with and without. Yeah. Absolutely. And and because I'm going, man, how, Renee, how do I make sense of I just told you I was a connected to extended family and know things that I never would know unless I go to like the family reunion every three years. That's awesome that I get to know about yeah. my family in Pennsylvania, my family in, in Michigan. Shout out clan. If you're listening, <laughs> nah, they're not, <laughs> but I will send it to them. Now you'll uh, send it to them. Yeah. Give me their addresses. Exactly. I will send them the podcast um, and say, so I'm, I'm connected and I love knowing that stuff. But my perspective is that man, but I grew up having relationships with them, right? I grew yeah. up with that, that connection. And I, um, so I just have to see it through that lens, but as a, so that's, that's me, right? As a person, I've got all this extended family. I'm super thankful that I get to stay connected have a funny a funny experience that I had recently in the last couple of years I was at my high school reunion I won't tell you what year even <laughs> though I already said my age <laughs> <laughs> and I scanned the room and I was like huh I don't really need to talk to any of you because I follow you all we're all connected on Facebook and I know exactly what's going on in your life <laughs> so wow, I didn't yeah. feel like I needed yeah. to have these conversations what a missed opportunity, though. Mm-hmm. So I'm even talking about unlearned loneliness and the fact that I made an assumption in that point that I knew everything um, about those people in that moment. And, and I didn't take the opportunity to go have mm. one-on-one conversations with them. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I know. Yeah, it's a really interesting perspective. Because it kind of plays in a little bit to what I was thinking when we talk about how we've used social media. And I think when we talk about social media, there's much more often really negative connotation around it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's always fair. Yeah. And that's probably not going to be, I'm going to get tomatoes thrown at me for saying that by not in this room. I, <laughs> I like social media. Yeah. yeah Cause I think it, we need to look at how we choose to use it. Cause I, I find it interesting cause I use it differently than, maybe others would because of the journey I've been on. I thrive using social media to connect with friends and family that I can't see on a regular basis, kind of like what you were saying and feeling some type of connection to them, even though I could not tell you, you know, all these in-depth things, but I feel that I know them because of that. But I struggle utilizing social media with peers and 
close family. And the reason for that is because I struggle doing some of the comparison game. Sure. And that plays into some of that unlearning loneliness, mental wellness, all of that. Because it's, I'm more connected to them on a relationship level. And so it feels closer to me in terms of, well, they've done this or they've experienced that. And I'm over here, you know, in la la land trying to figure out life. And so that part makes it difficult. So I think in having the conversations about social media, it's important to know why we want to use it, how we're using it. And what is actually beneficial. Kind of what back to your point, Keith, of having those layers. Because it is difficult. And there's a lot of strengths. And there's also times when it can cause some harm. Yeah. yeah. Both yeah. of your thoughts just now about um, with the, the high school reunion and then close peers. They, I think, speak to the reality that we have to remember that people... The, the only parts of about a person's life that you see on social media is the parts that they've chosen to share. Right. Mm-hmm. And so... Yep. You so like at the family or the high school reunion, you knew the parts about your high school classmates that they wanted you to know, and not anything they didn't want you to know. True story. Oh, Keith just broke his microphone. Yeah. <laughs> and Kate was the one that put that together, so that was a big old fail. <laughs> that is awesome. that was surprising. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. It's okay. We're good now. Keeping you awake. That was awesome. Okay. What you liked about our thoughts. So thinking about that, about, you know, people only are posting the parts about their lives that they want you to know. Mm -hmm. uh, It is easy to get into that comparison game. And particularly the more that you have connections on social media that um, are not people you know in real life, the easier it is to put out a false self. uh, Because no one, because the people who are you're connected with who don't know you in real life. They don't know that it's a false self. It's just what you've put out there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think I agree with you, Keith. Let me say what I'm going to say, and then you can decide if I agree with you or not. (laughs) I agree that I I choose to put whatever I choose to out on social media. I will maybe contradict myself a little bit and even say, but if we're also having a conversation, I can choose what to tell you. True. So I, I think... That because maybe there's more so, um, I don't know, I would say sometimes pictures or I, I think to kind of bring it back to our topic, our perspective of what people post, some can can alter our kind of state of mind. Sure. Right. Yeah. If I'm going, oh, that dinner looked really good. I tried to make that. That that vacation looked really good. I wish I could have gone on that. Or, man, I am so glad she got to go to the beach for a week. Right. Right? So how, right. We, how can we change that? How, yeah. So how do we engage with it? And then also how do we narrate that for ourselves? Um, I think has a lot to do with the, the loneliness or lonely factor of social media. Because I will absolutely play both sides of the fence on this one. That there is, I think, personally, I have experienced increased loneliness because I've engaged with social media. Mm -hmm. And in moments of loneliness, social media has been there for me as a way to maybe promote some more positive thoughts for myself and feel connected. So I, 
I kind of have a, I don't know. I don't know if it's a unique experience. I would love to hear from our listeners. Does anybody else kind of have this dialectic, right? Two things happening and I'm struggling to understand it right now. Yeah. But me too. And I, I, I would like, say I, I yeah. live in this world. Like social media is my career. In fact, I got into PR starting by Bless social media you. management for I, nonprofit organizations. I am baffled. Like I couldn't do that. I couldn't either. <laughs> I mean, truly. Keith kudos. is amazing. Yeah. Well, we all have we all have things that we do, and that just happens to be the thing that I do. And but it's made me have to have some specific ways I think about social media because yeah. I can be on social media all the time Whoa. but my experience is just like yours that I have experienced it in very positive ways and very negative ways yeah both those things are true yep okay so I have a I have a social media life mantra you ready Whoa. to hear it I'm ready Keith did not warn us about this, I set just this so up. you know I set this up a little bit too high <laughs> it's not that cool <laughs> <laughs> but my rule kind of my rule of life when it comes to social media is that social media should augment real life relationships or social media should yeah. enhance my real, in real life relationships. Yeah. yeah. And so Absolutely. when I see social media only as a tool to do that, that it enhances the relationships I have with people in real life, it, it sh- changes the way I utilize it, both in the way that I respond to other people's comments, what I decide to post, uh, and who I engage with on social media, who I choose to follow, what types of voices I allow to speak into my life. It should augment enhance make better the in real life relationships meaning you have to have a tangible relationship with that person before you engage on social media i would put this life mantra about enhancing in real life relationship in contrast with replacing real life relationships social media should enhance in real life relationships it shouldn't replace them so it's not so this rule of life about it should augment or enhance in real life relationships isn't always mean I only connect with people that I know in real life mm-hmm. because particularly on Twitter, I connect with people that I've never met. It's always fun if a celebrity tweets back at you, right? I mean, that, <laughs> that's fun. And I'm, and I haven't met that many celebrities, but it should, it's, it should still fit into who I am and in, in my everyday life. Like yeah. not me, not being somebody else on social media than I am when I'm at work or at home and could lead into um, could lead into in, like real life relationships. I remember, um, I remember a project that somebody I follow on Twitter did a few years ago. Uh, I can't remember her Twitter handle, but her name is Kate. So shout out to Kate. Uh, she did not me. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> she did uh, hashtag IRL project, and what she did is she identified um, some number. I think it was like sixteen people she followed on Twitter that she really enjoyed. What they wanted to what what they said, and then. Um, went on of her way like to set up in real life meetings with these people like so across the country crowdsource funding project that would allow her to travel and meet these people in real life and then to then she wrote this blog reflecting on what the experience was to like or to meet them in real life and whether they were like the person that, that they were on twitter and if and you know that and I, that really just impressed upon me the value or the opportunity that social media can play in actually forging in real life relationships yeah 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 I have had multiple in-person meetings because of people I've engaged with on Twitter that it's developed into, hey, let's get together for coffee and people that I never would have access to if I wasn't engaged on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. I would be remiss if I didn't just kind of bring my clinical perspective in, if that's all right here. I, I just want to talk about the physiology behind 
Oh, that's probably way too fancy of a word, physiology. I don't really know what I'm talking about, but uh, it, we feel something, right? So things chemically happen in us, in our bodies. We are wonderful machines. We are wonderful beings, but we have different responses when we're with people yeah. physically, right? When Whether it's a physical touch whether it is you're in a group of people, I also should probably tell our listeners too, I am a ridiculous extrovert. <laughs> 28 on a 30-point scale of extrovertedness, okay? It's a new word, look it up, extrovertedness. Now spell it. Yeah. Yeah, nope. right. <laughs> M-E. <laughs> Me. <laughs> uh, and so I know that... Being around a group of people, um, it energizes me and it fills me up in ways. And and let's say that doesn't mean I have to go out to power and light. Maybe it's going to the grocery store and waving hi to somebody. Maybe it's going even to the movies and sitting with others. Maybe that's going over to my best friend's house. Maybe that's going over to my parents. But I know that I have that need yeah. to be filled with the company of others so that that's kind of me and i know that need but if i come back to my i want to share something clinically and what happens to us too is we experience mirror neurons and that is the act of you know one person does one person observes and there is a shared neurological response mm -hmm. in that and that's really powerful and our brains can only do that when we're in the physical presence of one another. Um, I think it's why I really um, loved the, the therapy setting to sit in a room with someone and to make that eye contact yeah. and, and share. Um, so I think it's a really powerful space to be in. Yeah. And I, but I also know that you don't have to have that every single time. So really recognize again, this dialectic of, that's really important for me as a person and a clinician to have those IRL physical um, moments with someone. But guys, there are also times where it's a, a text. It's um, a, a funny conversation with maybe somebody that I, I haven't met or it is engaging in social media to kind of go back to Keith's space that just kind of does augment my yeah. relationships, augment my life yeah. a little bit or come and just make it a, a better place. Well, because that was going to bring me to one of my thoughts of a little bit of a different approach um, that I see with social media is that sometimes, so you're an extreme extrovert. <laughs> I am an extreme introvert. So I'm on the other end. And sometimes I have used social media to be that stepping stone to become comfortable, How cool. engaging, yeah. real time. How cool. And I've done that also with individuals that I have um, been speaking with uh, on social media. And I have said, okay, so we'll, we'll talk via messenger as they feel comfortable, which has been interesting beyond the other end of that, where I'm now trying to make someone else comfortable doing what I'm not always comfortable doing. And then Facebook has a really cool now like phone call option. So you can do calls there yeah. and that yeah. could be that next step. And then you work to kind of build up that courage to step outside of that comfort zone and then start having those real time fantastic relationships. Yeah. So yeah. if someone's listening and they're like, I just am not ready to go be at a grocery store and wave at someone, yep. then, hey, try reaching out to someone on your 
Facebook page or Twitter or yeah. or Instagram. join a join a group, join a group on yeah. Facebook and right? make comments, right. respond back to someone. Right. Start at that point because what we do know as well is that when we start reaching out and helping others or reaching out help for help ourselves and get that ball rolling, it becomes so much easier to keep doing. And so at some point, eventually those real life relationships will be less scary. I am grateful for the two of you on opposite ends of that introvert yeah. uh, spectrum expressing how you use it differently, because I think that that's a really important, 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 <laughs> important point uh, for our listeners to know is that the way that I use social media that's that's healthy for me yes. and the boundaries I've set up is going to be different than somebody else. And Renee and Kate are perfect examples. They're yeah. like opposite ends of this introvert, yeah. extrovert. And can so, I put a caveat on yeah. that and say, is as someone who's an extreme introvert, it's important to have balance and know that I can't use that as my meaning for not establishing real life yeah. relationships. It's a stepping stone and not a reason to just never engage. And so I want to make yeah. sure I say that, that you have to have fine balance and know that sometimes being uncomfortable is okay. And you're going to need to establish that so that in times of need, yeah. Or yep. when someone else is in need, it doesn't even have to be you. You have that personal relationship. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I, I have to make sure I put that caveat on it. Make sure you find balance. Absolutely. It goes and back that, to it should augment in real life relationships, yeah. not yeah. replace them. It yes. can't be the only way you engage with people. Yeah. And it can't be the only way in which you address your loneliness. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Or your happiness or right. Kind of replace any. It can't be the only um, and so, right, to unlearn lonely, I think you got to learn what loneliness means to you, mm-hmm. what mental wellness means to you, and whether that's, you can do that on your own, fantastic. I would probably need to talk it out because I'm just that much of that talker, feeler, exchanger. Kate, why am I doing this all of the time? I need to, and Kate would give me amazing feedback about that. Um, so I need to know my own relationship with mm-hmm. with my feelings when i feel this maybe why i feel this and how i need to engage in social media differently yeah mm-hmm. um because I, I i will i will twiddle on social media and it's one o'clock in the morning and and then i wow i've done this to myself now so i'm yeah. a grouch the next morning i struggle with that because it just sucks mean because i love the people of it all i love seeing mm. what they're doing and yes and cheering them on and having this positivity but then, so that's where my extrovertedness um, can get away from itself. Again, just to kind of go to Kate's point, that's my, how I have to rein myself in. Renee, stop. Hmm. Stop looking into other people's lives. Stop connecting. Stop liking. Take a step back. Be okay with yourself. Be okay with your environment. Be okay right here. Have some mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And choose a different activity. Hmm. And I like what you're saying about being right here and in the now, because that brought me back to something I was thinking earlier when we got this question tossed out to us of what do we think? And the first thing I had immediately thought of is how do we find our own value and self-worth and self-love and all of that outside of social media? Because I think sometimes we talk about loneliness too. It can even come down to, because I've heard some youth that I've worked with say this of, I put up a picture and I don't get in any likes or I only get a certain number of likes. So that means that, you know, I wasn't pretty enough or I'm not liked enough or, 
I post some status and yeah, I don't I, get a response, and, I, and then uh-huh. you feel like your value yes. is shaken. And I don't your think that's just teams either. I mean, right. I think that Keith we tweeted about that. this. Keith tweeted about this. Did I? Oh, yeah. quote my tweet because I can't remember what I what I tweeted. I mean, uh, uh, you said something like you tweet something and no one likes it should you take it down yes i yeah, totally and i yeah. think i so, liked it yes like, do not take it down but okay, it goes so into loneliness <laughs> yes. yeah yep here's the reality <laughs> i've been in this social media world for a while now more than 10 years and i've done coaching sessions on personal branding you know like all the things on social media i've also changed careers a lot so in in the midst of that <laughs> in the midst of that i've built up um a a, a twitter following small small and i'm always amazed though that even though i have x number of twitter followers i can tweet things and not get engagement and so i i often second guess you know i tweet i put something out and I'm like oh no one liked it I sh- this is dumb i should just remove it can this i say gets... you're not alone in that i just yes. want to make sure that you understand yeah <laughs> yes i know we're all I'm in not. here nodding so our that... head like yes so yeah. that is why i leave things up even when no one likes them Yay. but that that is true as a social media professional literally every piece of content that i put out i have immediate analytical data on whether it was successful or not that could both be thinking about and not <laughs> all at once think about how that can make you feel on the work yeah. week right whether you're doing it well or not well yeah. um, and so that's something that i've had to um, process as a communications professional mm-hmm. like just being getting used to having quantitative data about how effective i'm doing my job multiple times a day uh, no, thank you. I'll wait for my annual evaluation. Yes. But then I, but he, see, and this is where my mind is going because then I hear you say you have the quantitative data, but there's no way that you can track the impact that you've truly made, even if it's one, two, five, however many people yeah. where they've read your tweet. I hope I'm using the words right. Uh, yeah. Uh, we'll get um, you on Twitter someday. Yeah, right. <laughs> read it and gone. That was profound. This changed my perspective. Yeah. I feel more hopeful. Sure. And you can't track that. And so yeah. that's what's hard. Welcome is... to the world of social media, yeah. marketing, Stressful. and analytics. In your personal life, you don't have that opportunity to track data along in that way sometimes. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, of course, I have all that data set up on my own personal social media you account. You do not. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not on Facebook, not not my personal ones, but my professional ones. Okay, all right. Yeah. I thought you meant personal. So no, like my my, <laughs> my personal Twitter uh, Twitter account, LinkedIn. I look at the data about who's engaging in my in my content. Like I, I got seventy two likes. Is that my data I'm looking at? Yeah, I got this many impressions. This oh, this many right. link clicks. Uh, the, the reach was this big. I just post pictures of my vacations, guys. But. Uh, because of my of career, uh, I don't let that. I mean, I've struggled at times in the past, but yeah. as far as a long-term healthiness, I don't let that define or my self-worth. Do you have? Oh, sorry. No, no. I'm just saying that it just. I mean, I think Kate started it. We're really kind of taking this conversation to to not only unlearning loneliness or to do that. You've really got to know yourself. You've got to know yeah. limits. You've got to know boundaries all within the healthy scope of self and healthy scope of relationships. Um, and I think we've shared just some really neat ways to do that, how we do that. Some people might go, oh, I agree with all of them. We're like, oh my gosh, I, none of those work for me. You've got to know yourself. 
and I can tell you, I, I think we've talked about this in this room before, is where, you know, Keith really acts as a voice here in our mental health center, a voice here on our podcast, but also really has like this editorial um, persona here as well. So I, sometimes, I know that sometimes in real life, I wish I had someone like Keith uh, editing and engaging my own. So what I'm hearing is everybody needs a Keith. Yes. yes. Oh my gosh. Wait. Everybody needs a Keith. Yeah, <laughs> I would agree with that. This makes me think of our episode on self-care. Oh yeah. And thinking about the, the the compare and contrast between rituals and habits we put in for our long-term holistic health. Sure. And the uh, activities we do as coping this is a that's such an important conversation with social media there are so many times that we use social media as a coping mechanism yes thinking about when you are in oh this is my most awkward situation when i have to take my kid to the bathroom like in a public place and he's in there for forever and i just have to stand there while everybody else is walking into the bathroom and wondering why i'm standing awkwardly in the bathroom and so i get on my phone even if i have nothing to do on my phone so people don't talk to me and think i mean it's so so it's like it's a we use it as a coping mechanism for awkward relationships with people or to avoid awkward interactions with yes. folks. Oh yeah. We can also awesome. we also can think about social media in terms of our self-care like our long-term practices. And so I think in that self-care episode we also talked about times that we unplug or turn off social media for a day or you know, those are those are options but just boundaries about how can our engagement with, with social media add value to our lives in the long term and not d- diminish our relationships or diminish our lives in the long term. Yeah. And we get to make all those decisions for ourselves. Right. I've had to, I've had to speak that power to myself a couple of times recently. You know, I was getting, I, Facebook was just kind of really overtaking. I need to delete my Facebook account. I'm going to delete my Facebook account. And I had to go, <laughs> wow, Renee, you're legitimately blaming Facebook for your interaction with it. No, you need to take the icon and put it on your not your homepage of your phone. You need to throw it on the second yeah. screen. Okay? So you have control when you want to access yes. it and not respond to a notification. Yes. yes. You need to turn your notifications for Facebook off. I need to, if I feel there's a family member that might get a hold of me that way, I need to let them know. It is my power to do that and engage with it sparingly. That's, yeah. that's my choice. And so now sometimes when my sweet mother says, oh, my gosh, did you see that on Facebook? I say, nope. Yeah. I and knowing that's okay. Exactly. You don't have to know every yeah. single thing that's taking place yeah. and keep it spontaneous. And But yeah. it was a while. Yeah. It was a while. I was, I'm blaming Facebook for I'm not sleeping. Yeah. And I'm no. I, I have to really recognize my choice on how I use that to either augment the um, healthy feelings and healthy behaviors I'm having or perpetuate some of the, you know, negative coping or negative feelings that I'm having. Yeah. Um, So I just want to hopefully speak power to to our listeners as well. Yeah. Have conversations about that with people that you trust and love and care about uh, and also reflect personally. And if you're struggling to reflect, then reflect with someone else and just say, you know, I'm noticing I'm not sleeping very well and I'm noticing, you know, I get the little notifications on my iPhone of like, you've been on, you know, this screen for this percentage of time. And so you can just use that as a starting off. Like, oh my gosh, I've been just on a w- an awareness. awareness. Absolutely. Yeah. And then talk with someone about, but I don't know how to bring that down. Or if I bring it down, I fear I'm going to miss out on something. Yeah. And then 
process through and get strategies from someone else who might be outside of the yeah. situation mm-hmm. if you feel stuck in doing that self-reflection. Yeah. Because that can be hard and vulnerable. Yeah. Before we wrap up, I think there's one other aspect of social media that it's important that we um, touch on because I know our director, Tim DeWeese, and, and others here at the Mental Health Center talk about this in public a lot, um, This and the importance of civility and um civility and kindness and compassion for everybody's mental mental health and social media can be a place that is very uncivil and that can impact how a person feels about themselves yes. and others yes an example that i have myself is there was um, a time in the in a couple of years ago that i first got engaged in politics and uh, then i began to uh, see some of my friends uh, who were you know longtime friends start diminishing uh, anybody who's a part of the political party that that I tend to align with, right? And I can just feel my chest starting to tighten for you. <laughs> well, and that's been how I I have worked really hard to have healthy boundaries and healthy practices on social media. I, I've grown; it's like a you know, like I've grown up as an adult in it. So, like, there's times when I was you know acted like teenager in maturity and now i feel like i have an adult maturity in my social media and so i don't tend to engage in those only social uncivil media, conversations folks. yeah only social media <laughs> um in real life you know um it's augmenting my real life i'm more yeah, mature on exactly. social media than in, than in person i asked um, her wife she said correct <laughs> uh, um but there were there are times that i i just wanted to comment on somebody's do you realize that I fall into the category of the people that you're diminishing right now. Like just to give a personal, like person they know in real life that they have called a friend and been around a table with before, do they realize that there's somebody in that group? And so like the way that that made me feel, of course, was this person is really ousting me. I don't get, Mm -hmm. it's not like I took it personally. I knew that friends weren't talking about me, Keith. Um, But that's just one place where the way that we talk about people on social media can impact how a person feels about themselves and the relationships. I have real strong feelings about this. So Renee, do you want to jump I, in? I don't know if I have um, really strong feelings because I'm going to go back to what I have had to do for myself. So I guess my really strong feelings are um, rewind to the beginning of this and listen to our disclaimer. Cause I'm about to make you need that really quick. Oh boy. <laughs> Don't read them, guys. It's yeah. vicious out there. It is vicious. It is evil. The the comments are polarized. They are mean. They are hurtful. Even when I agree, and maybe I am on the side of an agreement with a post, and people are commenting in the context of what I agree with, they are doing so in vile, explicit hurtful mean ways and i don't need to read that yeah i don't need that in my life i do not go and click on comments i can't do it um i can't do it yeah i i I, it's just not for me because it hurts me and Mm -hmm. i'm not going to put myself in that position yeah yeah so you're right I, i don't know there might be some some folks that go gosh but i'm not Hmm. I maybe I'm not informed. Maybe I'm not seeing it from both sides. And I disagree that I need to read hurtful, vile, vicious comments to understand that other people's opinions can live amongst me and my opinion can live amongst them and that that's okay. 
that mm-hmm. that's not in a hurtful world for me. Comments can be vicious. Yeah. So I I gotta put that out there. It's that's a hard part of social media for me. Yeah. It, guys, it's yucky. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Kate. No, no. <laughs> I I was actually bought me some time to try to process through how to how to say what I'm feeling in a way that is nice. Inappropriate for our <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm going to speak to the people who may be saying those hurtful comments and just encourage them to realize that there are people with feelings and emotions behind every computer and every phone. And sometimes if we're engaging with technology and we aren't building those face-to-face relationships, we can forget who's behind it and who they actually are and what they're feeling. And I just I encourage everyone to think about that yes. and pause before they hit send and think about how they would feel if they were receiving a message that they were getting ready to put out. Because sometimes we can get in that heat of that moment. And if you're in that, just pause and come back to it because I just so many of those hurtful things I've read I just feel like they would never have said if they realized how someone's gonna feel or if they had to see that emotion face yes. to face there you that's, go that's the kicker there you yeah go. if I had to say something and I know that someone behind the computer is crying because of a response to something I've said I'm not gonna have that a same emotional response to that then if I'm sitting across from Renee and I say something harsh and rude and she is crying in front of me mm-hmm. as a result of that interaction. So just my thing is, again, speaking to people on the other side is just don't forget the people behind it. Yeah. yeah. That's they're more than a na- screen name that you see. So a lot of times I say, especially in my profession, say what you mean, mean what you say, but don't be mean. Mm-hmm. Okay, just kind of a statement, yeah. a mantra I like to live by. The thing that I want to emphasize just a little bit around in the social media world is there is no rate, there is no volume, there is no tone, there is no articulation in text. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the way that you want to maybe inflect something or have tone or mm-hmm. or a pause or a little more volume or you can't do in text. Mm-hmm. And so it is only on the receiving person's end of that to decipher what you meant because you can't hear, you can't see the person, you can't. And so it does take some extra attention to write something. And I don't think we have given the attention that our text deserves. Mm. Yep. Um, yeah. I just I yeah. just don't. I don't think we have done that collectively all to say as a nation because I don't do international <laughs> social media. Okay, right. I as a as a nation, I just don't think we give the respect to text um, that we should. And yeah, I agree. And I would even take it one step higher in uh, as social media channels move more and more towards video. So thinking of Instagram stories on Facebook and um, uh, sorry Snapchat and then stories on Instagram and Absolutely. Facebook. Um, that it's a lot easier to make generalizations or mm-hmm. um, us and them type statements when you're mm-hmm. talking to your phone instead of when you're talking to a person. Right. Yep. Uh, and so one of the strategies that professional social media managers use when um, a user comments on a on a post on a page that's um, in a way that um, is a really aggressive or hostile comment that might have some actual there might be some truth in it, some weight to it, but 
the, the one strategy that I use and others use is to try and take that conversation offline. So not going back and forth in comments, but inviting a phone call or an in-person meeting to sit down and have that conversation because it's going to be a lot more productive and effective because you can go back and forth in the moment, not have to stew about what you're saying as you're waiting for a mm-hmm. response. And I have taken that same approach in the way that I engage personally on social media uh, that if there is – you, you know, thinking about my face on Facebook. So people that I care about, because those are the only people I'm friends with on Facebook or people that I actually no have personal relationships. he's relationship. not friends with me on Facebook. Oh. <laughs> Thanks for that ad, Keith. <laughs> yeah. Okay. P- put, let's put that on a post-it note. I'll come back to that in a second because that's a legit, that's a legit comment. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but when people want to engage in some, like, so I'll post something on my Facebook and somebody comments in a way that becomes a divisive uh, conversation. I don't, I don't debate in that space and I will invite a coffee or a phone call to have that conversation and will not engage in that in social media. Do you leave the comments on your post? I do because um, I don't tend to on my personal Facebook have people um, swearing at each other or, being vile when that happens i take them off on my on my personal closed facebook page Mm -hmm. whole different set of laws uh dictate what a government page can do and i really am asking uh i've never had that experience right where there's been really mean vile yeah polarized comments in something that i've posted but i'd really just ask you that as like the person renee going whoa what do you what do you do i I do not struggle with that i do not post things that tend to encourage that type of conversation to start with and so when oftentimes you think about the types of posts that get that response are posts that are already overgeneralizations or like a line in the sand this is how it is my way or the highway and that's just not how i roll and so i don't get that type of response most of the time i post pictures of aquariums that that can really that's a, hurt people that's a d- <laughs> double-edged sword there. okay back to the post-it note post-it about note. not being friends we might be friends kate and you made it's it's tough right yeah about yeah. Who, I mean, I who i decide to be joking. facebook <laughs> friends with or not uh real tough because oh, i have yeah. that line yep and sometimes i make exceptions to that line it just muddies the water but it's oh, just me oh, yeah and i do when i uh, I'm trying my best to keep it healthy, and I always invite if a person has a problem with what I'm doing on social media that they come talk or in, in real life too to come talk to me and let's talk sure. about it. Mm-hmm. So, sure. Kate, we can have a sit down conversation about why we are or or are not right uh, Facebook uh, <laughs> friends. I'm ready. <laughs> any any kind of last minute wrap up? I love that our conversation about unlearning loneliness has really talked about. Knowing yourself, yeah, being being knowing yourself, being okay with knowing yourself, being okay with maybe challenging some of the things that you're thinking, feeling, doing, talking to somebody about it, um, all in the spirit of having a healthy relationship, healthy engagement with social media, so that you're using it um, to be your best self. Yeah, to make life better, not detract from life. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. I'm Keith. I'm Kate. I'm Renee, and it's okay if you're not okay.